Hi everyone, welcome to the Farm Commons podcast, where we explore timely and important legal issues and questions facing the farming community today. For community-based farms with a focus on sustainability, managing legal risks is especially important as many innovative farm enterprises like community-supported agriculture programs, on-farm suppers, and gardening classes, and unique arrangements for land access and employment do not fit neatly into our legal system, leading to vulnerability. But through legal education, we can cultivate greater resilience for your farm business so that you can continue to grow in ways that best support you, your relationships, and your community. At Farm Commons, we'll show you why and how. Thanks for tuning in. Hi everyone, it's Eva here with Farm Commons, and we're back today to discuss legal risk management for your farm during this unprecedented time of COVID-19. Farmers everywhere, we know you are making quick and significant changes to your farm businesses that you never anticipated making. And you've had many legal questions for us during this time. In response, our team at Farm Commons is working hard to respond to your questions through this COVID-19 podcast series that's available on our website at www.farmcommons.org and on iTunes. Today, we're back for part nine with our staff attorney, Sarah Vale, to discuss the menu of financial relief options, especially for debt relief right now, for farmers inside and outside of the CARES Act, as we like to say, the inside and the outside CARES. (laughs) Hey, Sarah, how's it going? (laughs) Hi, Eva. Nice one. Uh, Going all right. Just um, another day in covid ice. That's a good one too. I mean, not good. It's terrible, but oh, yeah, you have to make light of it where you can, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, today we're going to talk about financial relief options, and we just recorded a couple of episodes about the P3 program and the EIDL program, both uh, loans available through the CARES Act. But that's not quite what we're going to focus on today. So I'll let you take it away from here about um, some of the other options that might be available for farmers. Great. Thanks, Eva. Well, this is no news to anybody, but um, just for a recap here, you know, there's no question that the farm economy has been impacted by COVID-19. You know, and of course, people still need to eat, obviously. You know, it's one of our most basic, tangible human needs, right? Besides shelter and clothing. Uh, Look at the shortages of food on our shelves at the grocery store. And you may think, oh, farmers are doing great. You know, look how much food people are eating. And while this may be true that people are still consuming all these vast quantities of food, you know, we have to look at what kind of food they're eating to understand how well farmers really are doing and what farmers may be doing well and what other farmers may really not be doing so well. The big grocery stores ordinarily buy from big farms. Now they need a consistent and reliable supply of of milk and flour and kale. So that makes sense. You know, the small farms can't always deliver on this. So they tend to miss out on these contracts and small scale farms have more success, say selling direct to consumer, such as at the farmer's market or directly to restaurants. So as we all know, these two venues are no longer a reliable channel in which to sell products, at least not for the next few months. So restaurants in most states are shuttered or are still open or open only for delivery or takeout. And they're buying less product from their local farms, way less. I know it's true where I live in Southern Oregon. 
our big hotel downtown is closed because, well, no one's coming here for the Shakespeare Festival or really anything. And the hotel's high-end restaurant, which prides itself on using ingredients from local farms, is also closed. So farmers markets are another casualty in all of this. In some states, they've been ordered to shut down, and where they haven't, they've voluntarily closed temporarily. So that's also true at our town's ordinarily bursting at the seams busy market. They're closed for a couple weeks, at least, for preventative measures. So with all that said, the small direct-to-consumer farmer is not doing well right now. Sure, there are other options such as selling online through virtual storefronts such as Barn to Door or Farmingo, which we can explain in great detail in another podcast broadcast earlier. However, not all farmers will be able to utilize that model or utilize it with the speed needed to maintain revenue or cover costs. So what are farmers to do? How can they get an influx of cash to help them through these dark times? That is the question we're answering today. So fortunately, there is relief out there, but it's so confusing and it can easily overwhelm even the most sophisticated Google researcher <laughs> out there. <laughs> so this podcast is meant to provide an overview of where farmers can go to seek financial relief and how without making anyone's head spin. So Eva, let's see if we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so really there are two general avenues for support right now. There's government support and private support, and we will get into both right now. So as far as government support goes, the main form of support right now is in the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, otherwise known as the CARES Act. So that was signed into law on March 27th, and most of our listeners will already know about it. But it has caused so much confusion because there are several different loan and grant programs to pick through, and it's unclear even to the experts what relief within the act is actually available to farmers. So I'll focus on the programs that offer loans and grants for operating expenses for small businesses. Uh, note that what I won't focus on uh, are the programs that provide financial relief for individuals, such as the checks the government is going to cut to most taxpaying citizens and also the expanded unemployment assistance that will be offered. So do note that this pandemic unemployment assistance will be covered in an upcoming podcast. So stay tuned for that. But back to the money for small businesses. So there are three main avenues in the CARES Act for small businesses to get financial relief. These are number one, the Paycheck Protection Program or PPP or P3 as it's being referred to. Uh, number two, the Economic Injury and Disaster Loans, or EIDL program. And number three, the Debt Relief Program. So the first two, the P3 and the EIDL programs, are extremely detailed. And I'm not going to go into a lot of depth on each of those programs now. But our Executive Director, Rachel Armstrong, has gone into extensive detail on both of those programs. So if you want all that information, including all the citations to the statutes and all the background, how they came to be, you can listen to those podcasts. But for now, 
just a quick overview. Okay, so all of these loan programs are administered through the Small Business Administration, or SBA. And the first one I'll talk about is the P3. So in this program, the feds give loans to small businesses to cover about two months of payroll expenses or operating expenses also, like mortgage interest, rent, and utilities. The great thing about this is that these loans are forgivable, meaning borrowers don't ever have to pay the money back to the feds if, and this is if, the borrow, borrowers borrowers actually keep their employees on payroll and can prove that they kept them on payroll. This is to encourage retention of employees throughout this crisis. But there's been some confusion about whether farmers can in fact apply to this program. But I think we can all rest assured now that farmers are in fact eligible to apply. I know that I received an email last week from uh, my state's Department of Agriculture saying that agricultural producers can in fact apply for the Paycheck Protection Program. So looks like that's the word on the street. To apply, farmers should contact their local bank or other financial institution right away because, well, the whole program's on a first come, or sorry, first come, first serve basis and there's a long line. Now, I'll just quickly talk about the second avenue of funding. This is the EIDL program. Uh, that stands for the Economic Injury and Disaster Loan Program. The news on this front is not so happy. This program offers loans from the feds to cover operating expenses, and small businesses can receive a $10,000 advance, supposedly within a mere three days of applying for the loan. And this advance is supposedly forgivable and therefore a grant. But here's the bad news. At this point in time, the SBA will not let farmers apply. There is a very highly annoying checkbox on the application on the SBA's website that says, applicant is not an agricultural enterprise, e.g., farm other than an aquaculture enterprise agricultural cooperative or nursery if you're not able to check that box meaning you are a farm you are not eligible for the program if you want to know all the details about that you can listen to the prior podcast on it note that things may shift on this and a lot of people are working very hard to get this to apply to farmers. But for now, this is unfortunately not an avenue that is open. And I just raised that now just, just to clear up any confusion about that. Uh, we don't want you wasting any time going down that avenue. So there is a third funding avenue and that is the debt relief program. Under this program, the SBA will automatically pay the principal interest and fees on both current and future 7A, 504 and micro loans for a period of six months. So what this means is that if you already have one of these loans or if you apply for one of these in the next several months, you won't have to pay your monthly loan interest for half a year. So these loans are all different in their scope, including eligibility requirements and purpose, but mostly they're for business startups and expansion and 
to help purchase supplies, equipment, land, that kind of thing. So the big question, are farmers eligible? Well, there's nothing that I've seen so far that says they're not, but I can't be certain that they are. So the best thing to do right now is if you have one of these loans, or if you are interested in having one of these loans, contact your small business development center or women's business center for more details. Or you can also use the SBA's lender match tool. So I would start with the SBA's website to do all of those things. So I'll just mention one more potential funding avenue in the CARES Act. And this is the $9.5 billion allocated to the Secretary of Agriculture to, quote, prevent, prepare for, and respond to coronavirus by providing support for agricultural producers impacted by coronavirus, including producers of specialty crops, producers that supply local food systems, including farmers markets, restaurants, and schools, and livestock producers, including dairy producers, unquote. Now, unfortunately, there is absolutely no guidance currently as to how the Department of Agriculture will actually allocate this money or how producers are going to get this money. Also, although it looks like the intention is to provide financial relief for the small direct-to-consumer farmer, you know, the one that relies on all those restaurants and farmer's markets to be open, Notice the annoying word including before farmer's markets, restaurants, etc. So this means that it's also open to large-scale commodity producers. So recently the uh, National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition said about this pot of money, there's going to be a fight. So stay tuned on this one. I just wanted to get your attention on that for now. So just mark that as a pin in your mind and know that hopefully with a lot of good advocacy from uh, all the ag organizations out there for the small producers, this will in fact be money that can apply to you. So really farmers should focus their immediate efforts on getting in a P3 loan application and also potentially exploring the option for loan repayment help through that debt relief program I spoke of. So farmers should also be aware of the increasing numbers of funding resources from private organizations and businesses that are becoming available. So these are increasing day by day. We're seeing more organizations and businesses step up to say, you know, agriculture is so important to everything and everyone that we need to have increasing pots of money they can draw on. And Oregon Tilth has put together a really good list of these options and it will be available uh, on our website. You'll have a link to their website and you can check them out yourself. So I'll just highlight a few of these right now. So a couple grants that are out there that could be really useful are uh, from the American Farmland Trust. So they are giving out a thousand dollar grant to farmers right now. And then there's also the Food Animal Concerns Trust, or FACT, and they are providing $500 mini grants for livestock and poultry producers. And then there are, there are also 
crowdfunding sources out there right now. I, I don't know if you've heard of Kiva loans, but that's one option. And right now they're offering 0% interest loans. And there's also something called the Honeycomb Crowdfunded Small Business Relief Loan. And then uh, there are some corporations that are stepping up right now, like Verizon and Facebook, to also offer small business loans. So go to the Oregon Tilt website, check out the links to all these possibilities. Uh, and then I know there may also be some opportunities in your own state. So Eva, you have something specific in your state, right? In North Carolina, isn't there a fund available for farmers there? Yeah, absolutely. There's one through the Rural Advancement Foundation International, RAFI, um, in Pittsburgh, for all you North Carolina farmers out there. It is a mini-grant similar to the, the FACT mini-grants of $500, um, and those mini-grants from RAFI, there's a pot of money for farmers in general, and then they've also set aside a mini-grant pot for farmers of color to pursue separately. Um, and those grants are not actually for farm business operations. The, the money is meant to be um, relief for household needs and necessities, and really for farmers in, in such dire straits that you know, groceries and rent are hard right now. Um, so I've seen more and more of those pop up. And like Sarah said, we'll, we'll include a link to um, the most updated list that we've come across at Farm Commons um, and some, some other resources that you can look into for the outside of CARES relief funds. That's great, Eva. And we'll also provide a link to the Small Business Administration or SBA website which has all this information about the different programs just mentioned and then we'll also have a link right Eva to a, uh, a PDF document also put out by the SBA that is another way of, of outlining all these programs. Yes so. absolutely we'll have that, all that and more in the show notes um, and also just a plug here about a project we're working on for a future podcast episode about the P3 program that Sarah talked about earlier um, and Rachel covered in our most recent podcast, the one before this one. Um, if you are a farmer who has applied for the Paycheck Protection Program, um, we want to hear about your experience in order to harvest farmer-driven solutions for um, successfully pursuing financial relief through the P3 program. Um, we have some questions as a part of a survey to gauge farmers' experience about um, were you able to work with an existing bank? Um, did you have to look for a different bank? Um, was it tricky to find banks that were accepting new applications. Um, and once you did find a bank that was accepting P3 applications, what kind of documentation did they ask for? Um, and how did you account for the cost you were hoping to cover in the loan? Was it W-2 employee-based um, pay? or and um, self-employment income. And if you did include self-employment income, we're really curious to, to learn how you calculated that and included it into the amount you were requesting. So if you're interested in giving us some feedback about your experience, um, either confidentially, or if you wanna go on the record, we're happy to interview you for the podcast, um, shoot us an email at info at farmcommons.org and, and we'll get back to you with that survey. That's great, Eva. Yeah, it's it's one thing to say that farmers are eligible for the program, and it could be another thing entirely to hear how it's actually happening on the ground for farmers. I do know of some successful applications from 
um, like a food hub, for example, but I haven't heard about, about farmers specifically uh, and what their experience was like going through this process. So it's very helpful in, in informing what we then uh, inform to our listeners. So. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hoping here that soon some farmers will see money from those P3 applications that have been put in and approved because we've not heard from any farmers who have had their applications approved who have actually received funds yet. So hopefully soon. Yeah, we'd love to hear some good news. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, please, please. Um, well, thanks, Sarah, so much for the menu of options here for farmers uh, to pursue financial relief inside and outside of the CARES Act. And um, to close, are there any action steps that you think farmers should pursue right now? Well, I'll just say, say again, uh, what I think the order of priority is right now. I think number one is just go immediately to your your bank or whoever uh, you work with as a lender or financial institution, that is absolutely the first you know, priority uh, to see if you can get one of those P3 loans. Cause I know I went and looked at what that was like at my own credit union here in my town and it was no longer accepting applications. So I know that there's, you know, a lot of activity and the banks are having a hard time keeping up. So, uh, but you know, I don't take no for an answer, keep on talking to them, keep on going back. And I think the more demand that, that the banks are seeing for this program, um, the bigger the possibility is that there will be another pot of money to follow. So uh, that's that's your first priority, and I think otherwise, just looking to your your state Department of Agriculture and also the small business development center in your state to see what state specific opportunities are available to you right now. Great, thanks so much, Sarah, and best wishes everyone as you pursue financial relief for your farm businesses. Yes, good luck to everyone. We're we're here with you. We're here for you. We're thinking of you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. For more information on what you just heard, as well as a variety of farm law guides, models, checklists, flowcharts, and more, visit our website at farmcommons.org. You can also email us at info at farmcommons.org if you have any questions or comments about this podcast or any of our online materials. Thanks everyone for listening and keep on growing.